I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Hi, I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be focusing on interaction with your audience, a deeper dive. So in the previous podcast episode, we looked at speaker interaction. And now in this episode, the follow on and continuation, we're going to be looking at the different methods of interacting with your audience, both verbal and non-verbal. So let's just recap what we touched upon in the last episode. I was focusing on speaker interaction and why you, as the person pitching, presenting or speaking in public, would need to interact with your audience. So let's have a little look at why you would need to do that. You might need to interact with your audience to benefit the energy within the room, either to really raise the energy if there's a bit of a lull within the room, or maybe if people are really loud and raucous and you really want to calm and tone the energy down within the room. You'll notice that I did exactly that with my voice. I also did it with my movements. So if you could see me, you'd have seen me lift my arms up and raising my seat when I was raising the energy within the room. But you would have also noticed that when I was lowering the tone down, that my body movement, my tone and my pace all reduced with it too. So it may be to alter the energy within the room that you're creating some interaction with your audience. Not only that, but you might want to focus on the end in mind. We recapped upon this on the previous episode. So to elicit a response of some format from your audience, it may be to elicit some form of emotion from your audience. So to really get them thinking about something, to really get them to dig deep, if it's quite an emotive topic that you're focusing on. But also it's really important that you might use speaker interaction to get the buy-in within your speeches. What do I mean by that? I've focused in previous episodes in regards to the fact that each of us, when we're delivering a speech of any format, we are selling, either selling a product or a service or selling the idea of buying it to you as the best person for the job, the best person to speak to, the authority figure within that area. So within our speeches, we can use speaker interaction to get the buy-in, to get people to really hone in and zone in on what it is that you're saying. It's also an opportunity for you to identify whether people are taking on board what you're saying, whether people are understanding it. So it's an opportunity to check in. That's a quick summary from the previous episode. But now we're going to do the deep dive into how you can use speaker interaction within your delivery. Now, the amount of interaction that you use will be dependent upon the duration of your speech, your delivery or your presentation. So, for example, if you're just doing a quick 30 second elevator pitch, you might not use any speaker interaction at all. But if you're doing a one hour, 40 minute, a half day or a full day delivery, you're going to need to add some additional interaction with your audience within there. Now, it depends upon the duration of your speech. Obviously, the shorter the speech, the the less interaction you will use. And conversely, the longer the speech, the larger the delivery, the more interaction you will want to add in. But some key points and some top tips, write these down. Tip number one is to use sporadically throughout your delivery. Quite often we'll see when I'm training people in public speaking and we focus on speaker interaction, it becomes the focal point for it. And it's rather than being littered throughout their speech, it's really either top heavy or end heavy. What do I mean by that? I mean, say we're giving people the opportunity to do maybe a five minute speech. They'll start with interaction, maybe some hand raises, some quick buying questions with a response required. And they may do this for the first minute of their delivery and then nothing else for the rest of it. Or... Conversely, 
They might not put any interaction in initially because they're just starting, they're getting into flow, they're getting, you know, into the zone in their speech and their delivery. And then they realise they've got one minute left. So they put all end heavy, the interaction, hand raises, questions, brainstorming exercises, debriefs, quick stretching exercises, all within the last section of their delivery. So tip number one is to ensure that you litter your speaker interaction throughout your speech. Tip number two, it's got to be relevant. So if you're delivering a a presentation around your focus area, so if I'm delivering around property, for example, the examples, the interactions, the exercises, the audience participation sections that I utilise will need to be around property as well. It's got to be relevant. So bear in mind the context of your interactions. So top tip number two, bear in mind your content and context of the interactions. And tip number three is to vary your responsiveness. What do I mean by that? If you're the type of person who asks a question quite often to the room, open format, then that's great. But if that's the only format that you use, you won't get in those different people within your speeches. And if you remember in previous episodes, which are touched upon the different learner types in the back ad, some people are visual, some people are auditory, some people are kinesthetic, and some people are auditory digital. And you can touch upon and bring in and engage each different type of person by using varied responsiveness. So I've mentioned using networking exercises, brainstorming, questions one-on-one to individuals, within the room, questions open to the entire room, brainstorms on small sections of the room, maybe around one table if you're a cabaret style, or some stretching exercises or movement exercises. You will incorporate all of your different learner types if you vary your responsiveness. So tip number three is to vary your responsiveness. And I'm going to give you some ideas of the types of both verbal and non-verbal interactions that you can use within your rooms. Again, you've always got to focus on it being relevant to your room. It's your responsibility as the speaker for you to identify where this needs to be. And practice and repetition comes in really, really handy because if you're delivering, like I do quite often, similar concepts or similar content pieces to different rooms. So for example, I'll deliver speaker training to various different groups of people, various different audiences, maybe 10, 12 times across the year. When I'm doing that, I need to ensure that each time the delivery is consistent, but it's tailored to suit the needs of the people within the room. So I might use different variations of speaker interaction, or I might use it more regularly in a quieter room or less frequently in an energetic room which already has the energy within it. So your call when you're delivering your speeches and presentations for you to identify where to use it. Again, I'm going to give you some hints and tips on where it's really relevant to use. And you'll notice that when you practice and you prepare that you'll identify through your repetition of delivery certain points within your presentation, your sale or your speech, where the energy is quite low or quite high that you need to alter it. You might notice certain points where people really struggle to get the concept or the message that you're offering to them. So check-ins may be needed at that point. So you'll find regular spots for your interaction to go into. But that doesn't mean that you only use it in those places. You can use it when you feel an energy lull within the room. As I mentioned in the previous episode, maybe if there's a tech fail and you need to you know, alter your slides on your screen or you need to deal with the technical issue, maybe you're 
microphone isn't working, maybe your clicker for your presentation isn't working, pulling a break or an exercise, pulling an opportunity for interaction is a great way to overcome that obstacle, but still engage your audience. Maybe it's that you need to pop to the toilet to get yourself a drink. Maybe you need to speak to one individual within the room because they're not quite getting the information. It gives you an opportunity to really kind of focus on those individuals. And these are the ways that you can use it. So you can use questioning within the room. Now, questioning within the room can be one-to-one or one-to-many. So you could open up a question to the room and it could be, show me a hand if you want to be the first person to respond to this and then you ask the question. Therefore, interacting through people raising their hands. It's a great way for you to get people involved, but also means that those who aren't really confident won't necessarily be uh, throwing the hands up there first. You can ask questions to groups within the room. Great way for you to crowdsource the answers. So it might be that there is no one set answer to your question that you've asked. It may be that there are different variations, different opportunities for people to put their viewpoints across. And if you ask the question to the room and ask for people to shout out the answer, so you've got hand raises to answer the question or shout out the answers The third alternative in terms of questioning for the room may be to draw up a list and for people to just keep those to themselves. So that is a non-verbal method of people interacting. So it's still getting people's brains active within the room. It's getting people to think about it. So it may be that you're asking people to think about the most difficult section within their job role right now. Maybe it's a work environment you're delivering a presentation to. What is your biggest obstacle in your job role right now. So you're asking the question to the room, but the response that you're trying to elicit might not be a verbal response. So I'm not gonna ask for anybody to raise their hands or shout out at this point. What I'd like for you to do is to write down your biggest obstacles within your job role right now. So just nice and quiet, write a little list, maybe one, two, maximum three things that are your focus points and your biggest obstacles within your job role right now. So it's still speaker interaction. It's still an interactive method to get people involved. It's to identify faults and queries where you can, you know, help people. And you can maybe go around the room later on in the day to collect the information. But it's a non-verbal opportunity for you to interact with your audience. The important point to note in the questioning section is this. There are two different forms of questions. I'm sure you've already heard of them, closed and open questions. And closed questions will be there where there is one of two answers usually. It's either yes or no. So it's a closed question where you'll ask, do you like swimming? The answer is either yes or no. It's a closed question. But it may be that it's an open question that you're asking and you're trying to elicit an open and varied response from your audience, in which case it might be that you say, explain to me what a great day to you looks like. It's an open question. There's no one set response to it. And I'm going to do a quick tip in regards to your questioning strategies on your open questions. So if you're making notes or making mental notes, now is the time to do this. And it is to use TED questioning. I remember this from school. I use it quite often in my deliveries within the live rooms that I deliver speeches and presentations within. Quite often people have forgotten it or never even heard of it. So TED, we love our acronyms at Progressive and Unlimited Success. And the T stands for tell me. So it might be that you want an open response. You want to elicit as much information as you possibly can. So you start your question with the words tell me. So tell me what the most difficult thing in your job role is right now. Tell me what your fears and doubts and concerns are around being a public speaker. So it's a really open question. It elicits a really wide response. The E stands for explain to me. So explain to me what your challenges you're facing are right now within your job role. 
Explain to me how it feels when you stand up on stage to deliver your presentation. Explain the emotion, explain the feelings. A really wide generic question, it gives people the opportunity to really give you their honest, open answers. So that T stands for tell me, the E stands for explain to me. The D is describe. So describe to me your biggest challenges you're facing within your job role right now. Describe what the challenges are. Describe how it makes you feel. Describe to me how you feel when you stand up on stage to deliver your presentation to your audience. Is it excitement? Is it fear? Is it anticipation? So by asking those questions and using that TED analogy, the TED acronym, tell me, explain to me, describe to me, you can elicit a lot of questions, a lot of answers from your audience. So it's a great way for you to identify information within the room. The other method that I identified just before was the closed questions. And a great way that you can use this within your speaker interaction is to ask what's known as a tag question. And a tag question is very, very simple. It's a question that you tag the answer on to the end of. So I may focus on public speaking and I might say public speaking is one of the best ways to build your business. Would you agree with that? Yes or no? People would either say yes or no. So I'm tagging the question, the answer onto the end of the question. It might be that I say a question that has just a yes answer or just a no answer. Are you all with me? Yes or no. And people will identify the yes or the yes or the no or the no. So it's a great opportunity for you to get the interaction and it might just be either with a hand raise or with a yes or a no response. So there's only one answer. It's not difficult for people. It takes you know, no time at all for people to respond to you. So it's a quick, sharp way for you to gain that interaction. It's also important for you to identify within the room the environment. So it's your responsibility as the speaker if you are promoting on stage for somebody else, maybe. So maybe you're delivering a speech on somebody else's stage. Maybe you're offering a presentation to somebody else's room. It's still your responsibility to maintain the environment. What do I mean by that? You might be delivering on a multi-speaker stage. It may be somebody else who is the promoter of the event or somebody else who is the organiser of the event, but it's still your responsibility to ensure that the environment is correct for your learners. So ensuring that the temperature in the room is right. I don't know if you've ever delivered a speech on stage, but I do this quite regularly and quite often. I feel really warm on the stage. The lights are shining on your face. It's warm within that room. I'm a really high energy speaker and because of that I move about quite a bit. I'm quite energetic. I get really kind of involved within my delivery and as a result of that I feel the heat but the audience doesn't necessarily. So how do you identify the environment within the room and whether the temperature is right for your audience members? You can see people putting their jackets on if it's getting a little bit colder. You can see people fanning themselves or taking layers off if it's getting a bit too warm. People might be drinking a little bit more because the room is quite stuffy. So along with everything else you have to do as a speaker, you also need to monitor the environment. So not just the temperature within the room, but the lighting. So ensuring that people can see if you're asking them to participate in exercises where they're doing written format, they need to be able to see what it is that they're writing. They need to be able to see the people around the room to ensure that it's not too bright within the room to detract away from what it is that you're doing. So say, for example, you've got a presentation on flip chart it needs to be bright enough for them to see the flip chart however if your audience are following you utilizing um, a powerpoint presentation you need to ensure usually that the light above the projector screen is turned off so that there isn't a glare so again your opportunity to ensure that the environment 
is right within the room. And again, you can use speaker interaction within this. So you could even ask the question, I'm feeling a little bit warm. It may be because I'm standing up on the stage. Is everyone, is the temperature okay for you in the room right now? Show me a hand if the temperature is okay in the room. People will put the hand up or they'll vocalise if they need to change. And that leads on to the next point, which is your hand raises. Your questions to elicit that yes response or to get people to buy in. So quite often you will ask for hand raises. Show me your hand if and ask a question. Does this make sense? If this makes sense, show me a hand nice and high. And what you'll do in that instance is you will interact with the people in the room. Again, it's a non-verbal interaction. Quite often people think that when they're delivering a speech or a presentation, all interaction needs to be verbal. We've already looked at people writing down their responses. But also the hand raises are a great way for everybody to get involved. Even the more quiet, less vocal people within the room, quick hand raise to get involved. And I've got another top tip for you in regards to this. And it is that you need to lead by example. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you are asking people to raise their hands, you need to put your hand right up in the air to show them what to do. Because if you say to people, show me your hand or raise your hand if you'll tend to find that they'll raise their hand ever so slightly. So if you imagine I'm sat in front of you right now, I'm raising my hand and it only reaches as far as the top of my shoulder. It maybe reaches just to face level. I'm showing you my hand, but not nice and high. So lead by example. So I might ask you the question, show me your hand if this makes sense. Show me your hand nice and high and I put my hand up right in the air. I don't know whether you can hear that within my movement. You can hear it within my tone. My tone raises a little bit and I'm physically moving my arm all the way up in the air as if I'm stretching right the way up. You lead by example because you will tend to find that if you put your hand all the way in the air, people might put theirs three quarters of the way. But if you only put your hand three quarters of the way into the air, people will only put theirs halfway into the air. And what you're trying to do is elicit a response and gain a movement and an interaction. So lead by example. Another top tip. Eye contact is another way that you can elicit a response or to interact with your audience members. This works twofold. One, to make people feel involved and engaged, which I've touched upon in previous episodes. But also, if people aren't necessarily understanding or getting the message, you can make the eye contact. People will usually, you know, nod their head or look a little bit confused if they're not getting what it is that you're saying. So eye contact is a fabulous non-verbal way for you to interact with your audience. A great thing that you can do as well is when you're smile when you're interacting with your audience with your eye contact is to smile, to put them at ease and to make them feel more comfortable. So I'm going to give you just a couple more ways that you can non-verbally interact with your audience. You've got your body language, open body language, warm, inviting. It might be some form of gesture or some form of touch. So a way that you can non-verbally engage and interact with your audience is to step down from the stage if you're up on one maybe to increase the proximity to walk a bit more closely to people it may be if you're asking people to do an exercise that is non-verbal write down just have a little think about the biggest challenges you're facing within your business right now and as you walk around the room maybe you'll place your hand on someone's shoulder if you've got any questions or queries or if you need any help is this okay for you so you're in close proximity to people you're Engaging with everyone in the audience, particularly with the people at the back of the room, if you're maybe stood on a stage towards the front of the room. So you've got your eye contact, you've got your body language and gestures or proximity to your audience. 
But we also have your verbal methods, which we've touched upon already. So your questions to the group, questions to an individual, or your group discussions or questions and shout out. So it may be that you ask in the room, really open questions. So shout me out. What are your biggest challenges in your business right now? Shout them out, shout them out. And you may write them up on the flip chart. So I'm going to do a quick summary and a recap into speaker interaction. It's your responsibility as the speaker, as the trainer, as the person presenting, pitching or speaking publicly to interact with your audience. Ensure that it's not just top heavy at the start of your speech or bottom heavy at the end of your speech. You need to litter it regularly throughout your delivery. Through practice, repetition and continually presenting the same or similar scenarios in different rooms, you will be able to identify the key areas where speaker interaction can benefit your delivery. You'll be able to identify the times when there's a lull within the room or the times when there's a rowdy, raucous bunch of people that you need to tone the energy down within. It's important that you don't just use one format of interaction. So don't just always ask a question with a hand-raised response. Don't just always ask the yes or no questions vary your responsiveness throughout so ensure that your speeches include both verbal and non-verbal interaction that it's littered throughout your speech not just top heavy or bottom heavy at the start of your speech or at the end of your speech weave it in elegantly throughout your delivery to help you to raise the energy to utilize when you need to take a quick break or an opportunity for you to remove yourself from the situation and still have your audience members participate within the room. It's a great way for you to get the buy-in, get people to interact and to respond with you. But keep in mind the following, please. What information are you trying to elicit? What emotion are you trying to convey or evoke? What is the context or the relevance of that interaction within your speech and what value does it bring? When you combine all of this together, it can really, really elevate your speech. And I'd love for you to start using it at the earliest opportunity. So thank you very much for listening to this episode, pitching, presenting and public speaking. And please listen into the next episode where I'm going to be focusing on why would anyone want to listen to us? Listener.